Wat sê die reg? Op Radio Tijgerberg 104 FM. En uh, soos vroeger genoem, vanavond was ons focus natuurlijk op arbeidszake, rechtszake en kom ons probeer so ver moeilijk binnen die spaansie van arbeidsrecht hou en uh, uh, natuurlijk een legendarische naam in hierdie discipline is het my groot voorrecht om naar die platform te nooi, Michael Begram. Good evening Michael. Hi, good evening and thank you for having me on air tonight, I really appreciate it. Always thank good you. speaking to you and also an honor. Thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, well, I have, what I have done, I have alerted the, the, the listener that um, we are focusing on issues or matters, uh, unions or trade unions, and uh, there's nothing that you ought to be taught about that. I mean, you've walked the mile, so to speak. And speaking of mile, I take it for granted that uh, that's your alma mater, UCT. Am I far from uh, being accurate? Now you are very far. I was at Rhodes University oh at the Grahamstown. Oh, my goodness. Um, and no longer called Grahamstown, of course. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> but I was at Rhodes University. I went up there in the late 1974. Oh, that, that, um, that's, that's just the other day. <laughs> I date you somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I took it for granted that you perhaps were there um, because we were speaking varsity cup matters, and uh, well, well, Rhodes University doesn't have a varsity uh, cup team, but uh, who knows? Sooner than later, perhaps. No, well, we we still, I think they still play in those old days. It was the University of Port Elizabeth today. It's Nelson Mandela University. Yeah, and I believe the two universities still compete with each other. My goodness, and the, the cup moves from one to the other. On well, an basis. let's 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 wish that or hope rather that um, sooner than later they'll be in in amongst the biggest scheme of things, the mainstream varsity cup. Michael, time is obviously again very precious to you as well, and I wouldn't want to take too much of that. We are talking matters trade unions. I think for uh, particularly to our new entrants um, um, who are not too fait with uh, the functionality or the whole purpose of a trade union. What are trade unions, and what are the issues that they? normally look at. Thank you. Yes, it's, it's a very important subject and trade unions have had a large role to play in the politics of South Africa, in the development of the democracy and of course, as everyone knows, they represent staff um, at all levels. Let me just go a little bit backwards. We have a piece of legislation in South Africa called the Labor Relations Act. That Labor Relations Act was updated when uh, we had democracy. Uh, President Mandela uh, signed that Labor Relations Act into force in South Africa. And one of the things that you see very carefully protected in our Labor Relations Act is the trade unions and the trade union movement. Now, people will understand, I'm sure most of our listeners understand, that the power relationship between employer and employee is very tilted. Um, and especially now in South Africa today, where unemployment is such an enormous issue, uh, many staff members don't have the power or the resources to be able to challenge employers when they're trying to enforce their rights. Um, uh, many employees can't afford to go to lawyers, can't afford to go to labor consultants. And in fact, many employees uh, don't even have access 
to external legal advice. But doesn't that make and a mockery of the actual Labor Relations Act, Michael? Well, that's the point. So what do you do to actually even out that scales of justice? You then have protection for a trade union movement. Trade unions, in fact, in South Africa today are very powerful. Um, as you might know, there's a, um, an alliance called the Tripartite Alliance set up between government, Kosatu, and the Communist Party. So that right. Tripartite Alliance has given the trade union movement, and especially trade unions under the umbrella of Kosatu, has given them enormous political clout. So much so that the trade unions have a very big role to play in making legislation, in changing legislation, in setting up rules and regulations, and to a large degree in directing forces that guide South African labor law today. And that the relationship with government, that relationship with the big, the big employers, um, has put them in a very powerful position. We have an organization in South Africa um, called NEDLAC, which is the government set up under the Department of Employment and Labor. It's Michael, before you get to NEDLAC, it's a very important mm-hmm. issue to discuss, but just to back up a bit, again, speaking of making things a mockery, um, if trade unions in South Africa is part of government, doesn't that make a mockery of, of, of the setup or the purpose of what they should be doing with regards to vested interests or conflict of interests? I, I, I believe so very strongly, but what it has done is it's made them very powerful. But yes, one of the biggest employers in South Africa today, let me have a sip of water. Sure. One of the biggest employers in the country today is government. Um, National, provincial, local government. And when you have a trade union in bed with that governing party, then you've got a problem. Mm. And that wedge between government and trade union is starting to show a problem right now. And you might recall it's been in the press a lot, but about five years ago, government signed a, an agreement with the trade unions for increases, salary increases. Sure. That was a three-year agreement. This was signed to just under five years ago. It was a three-year agreement. They shook hands, they put it down on paper, and they agreed on increases annually. And, of course, the country, and I was one of those people who were shouting that the government couldn't afford those increases, and where they're going to get the money from. But no, they went ahead and signed the agreement. And because they're in a relationship, they gave very handsome increases. Today, people working in the civil service mm. uh, have a much easier road than people working in the private sector. Um, the salaries are better, the pensions are better, the medical aid is better. And so, unlike we used to see in the past, working for the public sector wasn't as good as the private sector. It's swapped over because of that relationship between government and the trade unions. Well, they paid the increase for the first year, they paid the increase for the second year, the third-year government reneged on the pay increase, saying that the agreement 
was null and void because they didn't follow a proper procedure. In other words, government pulled the wool over the eyes of the trade unions. And where does NEDLAC come in? Well, NEDLAC is a body that was set up through the Labor Relations Act, obviously set up by the Department of Employment and Labor, and that's a negotiating chamber where you have, it's a tripartite alliance there as well. You've got government sits at the table, you've got trade unions sit at the table, and you've got employers who sit at the table. problem is, of course, it's big employers, big companies, it's big trade unions. The, obviously, Kosato is the, the main player sure. there. And then you've got government that sits there. And they then negotiate labor laws and labor future in this country. So they have an enormous role to play in actually making sure that certain changes to our labor law get presented to Parliament. And it's only after it's been through that turmoil of negotiating between those three parties does it then land on the table at the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee on Employment and Labor, and then the parties then... Uh, political parties then negotiated. But as you can well imagine, once Kasatu has had their say in NEDLAC and NEDLAC then pass it over, the government is going to side with Kasatu and they still hold 54% of the parliamentary house. And so you can see that rules and regulations bend over very much favorably with regard to trade unions. And so trade unions, and right through history, through many countries around the world, trade unions have had an important role to play in representing the weakest side of the bargaining table, and that is the staff. It goes back hundreds of years where trade unions, um, right through Europe and America, for that instance, would represent the people who didn't have the power mm. to sit around the negotiating table with the employer. As you can imagine, you get a job, your employer's got money, your employer's got access to all sorts of advice and clout, and you're trying to say that I'm being treated unfairly. Well, the chances, if you don't have money to get yourself a lawyer, the chances of you being able to get that properly heard and properly argued are minimal. But if you happen to belong to a trade union, you then are speaking not only on behalf of Michael Bagram, one individual employee, but you're speaking on behalf of all the employees. Correct. And also you've got external help. You've got a trade union that's got access to lawyers, access to money, access to systems, where they can then hold the employer to ransom uh, by threatening possible strike, by negotiating around the table, and then eventually by taking them to court. So what's happened is our law institutionalizes that negotiating power, and it gives every staff member a right to join the trade union. Yes, you do pay a small stipend, not very much. You pay a small amount every month or every week, it depends if you get paid weekly or monthly, to the trade union. Correct. <clears throat> so your employer, under certain circumstances, 
will be forced to recognize that trade union and under certain circumstances, depending on the numbers that have joined that trade union, not only will there be recognition, but that trade union will then present a document called the Recognition Agreement, where they will then institutionalize at the workplace certain terms and conditions and annual wage negotiations and annual discussions with regard to terms and conditions of employment. Sure. In other words, you bring up all sorts of issues which affect all staff as opposed to an individual staff member. For instance, uh, we don't have enough ventilation um, or we are unhappy with the way our supervisor is treating us. And that then gets put on the table with the employer and the employer has to bargain equally with the trade union. And it's, it's a very good tool because let's say I, Michael Bagram, am unhappy about something, it's very difficult for me to raise that point through a grievance procedure, knowing full well that my manager or my direct uh, report would pick on me thereafter. Yeah. But it's completely different with a trade union because they don't know who the individual is that raised the issue. Correct. Michael, I think with the table you set uh, superbly um, for our listeners to take part of this. In fact, before I go through the uh, WhatsApp line, and I see some of the correspondents have come through, I would like to just uh, remind the listeners that we are focusing on labor issues. So, Arbeitszake vanavond, ons gaan oor enige niks ander rechtszake behalwe arbeidszake vanavond praat nie. So, the number is 0844104104. Dis die WhatsApp, sowel Telegram nummer, of via die SMS-lijn by 32716. Um, dit maar op en af daar op die Green Mile met die maties wat hulle kopie, kort kopie net so by twee punte voor die finale telling gaan vir jou binnenkort gee. Nie finale nie, maar die huidige telling. Wil jy ons bel of e-post? Kontak ons tydens kantoorhere by 0861-104-104 of stuur een e-post na reception by 104fm.co.za Michael, two things you said earlier on. Uh, one, obviously, would be a discussion for another day, and that is um, government being the biggest employer, and the question, obviously, would be how healthy that scenario is. Not for tonight, though. The other thing is, before we go to our listeners, is that um, you also mentioned that employees at all levels are at liberty to belong to trade unions. Did I hear correct? I- I- including executives? Yes, obviously it depends on the uh, constitution of that particular trade union and also depends on the agreement that they've struck with the employer. But um, there's nothing stop in law, there's nothing stopping a director joining a trade union because the director is still an employee. Many of the agreements don't allow that. Many of the agreements um, between the employer and their own employees don't allow certain levels of staff to join trade unions, and all that's legal. Um, but I've just had a dispute where a director of a company joined a trade union and argued quite successfully that he's an employee, he pays his PAYE, his UIF, and he's been fired, and he wants the trade union to represent him, and nothing stopping the trade union representing 
However, employees and management don't normally join trade unions because they're on the other side of the bargaining table representing the employer. Things would become difficult if that or if said director would be a shareholder in the company. Obviously, it complicates matters. It does, but you obviously... Because you then a, you'll be suing yourself, is it, by, by the looks of it? Yeah, well, not really as, as a director, not as a shareholder, maybe, yeah. but... You still have it. I mean, shareholders are forever fighting with companies. Sure. And that's and we in modern economy we have that all the time. Um, and quite frankly, I have those disputes almost monthly. Mm. Where shareholders are fighting with their own company. <laughs> Kom ons gemaakt het draai by die rechtslijn vanavond, die WhatsApp nummer 084 Ons praak vakbondsake en ons baie kundige gast vanavond in wat sê die recht is die bekende arbeidskenner en arbeidsprokureer Michael Bagram. Michael, die persoon skryf hier rechtssake, goeienavond. My man het afgetreed toe hy 60 jaar oud geword het by die maatskapie. Hy het 11 jaar daar gewerk en niks servicegeld gekry by hulle nie. Ons was na die union toe, maar hulle sê, dis nie nodig dat hulle dit moes betaal nie. Uh, kan jy asjeblief vir my sê, meneer Bygrim, of het recht so is, die servicegeld wat nie betaal is nie? Ja, yeah, the union is absolutely correct. There's no such thing as servicegeld um, in our law. Uh, what this listener is thinking of, and probably heard from friends, is if you get retrenched, dismissed for operational requirements, then you would get paid a payment of one week's pay per completed year of service. It's very different when you retire, which is obviously what's happened with your husband. Uh, he's retired at the age of 60, which is probably their retirement date. And unless he is involved in a provident or pension fund, then there wouldn't be any service monies owing to him. Normally on retirement, if you've been there for a lengthy period of time, the, the company might give you a gift, but certainly not any severance payments. And that's what you mean by service calc. Not, not, the, not the severance payment we know. Ek is seker dis duidelik vir hy persoon. Marion skryf hier, goeienaand, uh, Michael, ek wil net graag iets uitvind, asjeblief, my man het na 16 jaar diens afgetree, Ons het uh, in 2021 eerst online aansoek gedoen vir UIF, maar januari het um, hy aansoek gedoen vir sy UIF uh, by die Summerset Weeskantore. Al wat hy uitgekry het, was net een uitbetaling van minder as 6000 rand, en toe ons het tweede keer gaan, sê hulle net paid in full. Kan jy asjeblief sê wat hier aangaan? I don't really know. I can't give that answer. There is normally a formula that they use. It's quite a complicated formula. But what I can do is I can follow up for you. Uh, at the end of this program, we will give my email address. If you could then email the details to me and a copy of that letter paid in full, yeah. I will then speak to the Director General and the Commissioner of the UIF and follow up and ask them to give an explanation Unfortunately, and most of our listeners know this because I've been speaking about it for years now, the Unemployment Insurance Fund is so dysfunctional and so badly organized, they very seldom get back to us. But at least we can try. They do answer me. I get answers one in five. Uh, But let me at least try for this because 
Otherwise, it's just a dead end for you, and I understand that it doesn't sound fair at all. Ja, Michael, not to be sad specific, maar in hierdie geval bijvoorbeeld, kom ons praat generisch na dit, of kijk generisch na dit. Any person who's had 16, 15, 20 years, years of service, in fact, this case, um, 16 years of service, um, to get one payment out does seem um, unnatural, doesn't it? Absolutely. No, no, it, uh, it, to my mind, it, it sounds absolutely crooked. Um, it sounds like someone's stolen the rest of the money, and uh, I mean, I've got to call a spade a spade. It's really not right, not fair, and it sounds illegal. Volgende verskrif hier, goeienaand, ek wil net graag vraag, as een persoon op contract werk, het, uh, op contract gewerk het, en kan nie, uh, wat is hier, UI19, by enige instantie kry nie, wat staan om te doen? Hy kan ook nie aansoek doen vir die 350 rand toelaag nie, hulle sê hy moet unemployment trek. Ek weet nie of het nou die UI19, of is het net die UI19 verkeerd, moest het eindelijk UIF gewees het? No, 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 UI19 is the correct form they're referring to, and the UI19 form has to be completed for every single individual. Um, and... It doesn't matter whether you've come to an end of a contract or not. Every single employee must contribute to the UIF. Once you've contributed to the UIF and you come to the end of the contract or you've been dismissed or you're retired, you get a UI-19 form. In the UI-19 form, it indicates why you left. And if it wasn't through resignation, then Mm. you're entitled to go and claim UIF in accordance with your UI-19 form. Hou op en in papier by de rand, want ons gaan nou kontak, uh, wel kontak besonderhede later gee, een e-postadres, waar u sommer van morgen af al reeds een e-postie kan stuur, of nieuwe later, Michael en sy kantoorpersoneel sal seker van die nieuwe dag daarna kyk, uh, e-postadres wat ons na afloop van die program vir jou gaan gee. Diegene wat uh, graag uh, wil deerkom en nie daarin slaag nie, um, dit is dalk een manier om kontak te maak met Michael Bygram sy kantoor. Michael, one uh, WhatsApp it came through, good evening sir, last year I was retrenched um, a boss told me he doesn't have but we have a written agree- agreement with the boss to pay us monthly for three years he failed to pay the monthly fee agree, so agreement so we took him to bargaining council again he promised to pay the monthly agreement after two months he stopped paying it and uh, <laughs> what can we do now, thank you well, thank you, and that's a that's a real normal problem. Of course, you must go back to that bargaining council and ask the bargaining council to have that agreement. It came out as an award. In other words, you go to the bargaining council, there is an agreement that's reached. It becomes an award of that bargaining council. That bargaining council then can make that award an order of the labor court. They can do that for you. Once you've got a court order, you can then get the deputy sheriff, and the bargaining councils again will pay for the deputy sheriff if you can't afford it. They'll get the deputy sheriff to go to the premises and either attach goods or attach their bank account or sell some of the goods so that that agreement can be honored by your employer. So you, you, once you've got that agreement at the bargaining council, you've got it on paper, you must pursue it. Uh, it just sounds like your employer is messing you around.
Theologie nou 18 minuute voor 9, ons gaan naast na Indische kant toe moet staan, net gevindig weer daar op die Green Mall, die maat is 27, die IQ 26, 1 punt verskil, en hulle is al reeds in die 67ste minuut. Michael, another WhatsApp came through, hi there, thanks for the valuable information, what trade union is a reputable union to represent outsourcing labor companies? That is the question. Uh, I work for a labor company which outsources my services. Second question, is it true that one can only work a limited time being outsourced? Uh, thereafter, you're obligated to be employed by the company making use of your services. Okay, first of all, I mean, if, if the union belongs to one of the umbrella bodies, and they're normally reputable companies, so you would, you would see whatever union is active at that workplace. Casato itself has a rule, um, it's been broken a few times, but they have a rule, one union, one industry. So it depends what industry you're in. For instance, if you're in the metal industry, it would be the National Union um, or Metal Workers of South Africa. It depends where you're working and how you're working, but you would also have a look and see the history and see which union is probably the biggest in that particular industry, and that's probably the best one to get the staff to agree it's not one person joins a union. You must all get together and join. And if there is a union active at the workplace, I would recommend you go with that because obviously they've got the knowledge and the representation. So that to answer that one, uh, there is value in joining a union. It's cheap, it's easy, and and if you still want to get outside legal advice, you can anyway. It's just a very good insurance policy. I, I, I'm forever fighting with unions because I sit on the other side of the fence but I'm a big fan of the trade union movement, and I think they are a very good insurance tool for every single employee, especially those that don't have enormous money to fight. So that that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is outsourcing is an interesting concept in South Africa today because you're still employed by the outsourcing company, the company that takes you on in the first place and then sends you to work elsewhere. And they then pay your salary, and then in turn, they invoice the company where you're working, and they add 10, 20, 30% on as their profit. Now, if you're earning under the threshold, which is another complicated concept, where if the threshold now is 18,400 rand a month, or thereabouts, if you're earning under 18,400 a month, and you work for more than three months at an outsourced company, the law deems it to be that you have rights against both your own company, your own employer, in other words, the outsourcing company, and rights against where you work, the company where you're actually doing the job. Mm. So you've now got a double-edged sword where you can sue both of them. If they do something wrong or don't pay your salary or dismiss you, you've got rights against both. But if you haven't had any wrongdoing and you don't have a dispute, then your employer remains the company that is paying you your salary, which is the outsourcing company. So it's a bit of a complicated concept. The whole idea was to ensure that the outsourcing company didn't send you to work. They collected your salary from the client and then they disappear. We had a lot of that in the early days. Yeah. Where a company would collect all the money, tell the staff, look, we're going to pay you, we're going to pay you, and don't pay you for two or three months, and then they run away. And 
He then got no claim and he worked for three months at a company who said, but we are paid. We paid your employer. Let me understand this. So the outsourced service provider, if, if this person is delivering a service to a company and that is the only client he or she has, would the law eventually deem that to be their employer full-time? No. No. Only, they only deem it if there's a dispute and if the claim can't be met by the outsourcing company. I understand. Okay. Well, I know the time, well, the time technically is up. And uh, just for uh, all time's sake, I think let me go to the last one. It's not really, it's a quite a lengthy uh, WhatsApp that came through, Michael. Suffice it to say that it, it, it relates to the domestic workers um, space issue. Um, I think what this person will have to do is to direct the this text uh, in a form of an email to you. Um, but in terms of domestic workers, how how do they get? How do, does their hands get strengthened by uh, trade unions? There is there is a trade union. I can't remember the name of it. But I think it's the domestic workers union that's active in that space. Um, obviously, trade unions are also a business, and it makes sense for trade unions to organize at businesses that have lots of employees, so they get lots of members and they get enough money then to be able to employ someone to defend them. So as you can well imagine, domestic workers is normally one per household, or maybe two, and so it doesn't really help a trade union to organize, because you get very little. You get sort of 10 rand a month. It doesn't, doesn't make any economic sense. But there is, in fact, in Cape Town, there is a union that's quite active in the domestic space. I would go online, look up domestic workers trade union, and you'll find, I think there's one or two. There's one that's very active in Seapoint in the Atlantic seaboard, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a woman there that, uh, but I think she's still active by the name of Maggie Ulvies. And uh, Maggie Ulvies was very, very popular and very active in the early days of the domestic workers union. But they do have representation within the trade union movement. I'm sure when they contact you at the office by means of email, you, your office will be able to give the persons who are inquiring about uh, domestic workers uh, that person, Maggie, Maggie's detail, or at least the full name. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Michael, lastly, from my side, you said they are a business, but now how, how do they really affect in closing businesses? Because it's supposed to be a synergy and uh, one can't kill off the other because then that would have been totally nonsensical for our biggest trade union, uh, barring Saftu that also now has come to the new kid on the block, but Kasatu in, 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 in bed with government, etc. They can't kill off business, on the other hand, but they need to act in the interest of uh, their membership as well. So again, right. how does how does a union affect business? Is it is it des, is it by design, or do they really 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 have their members' uh, interests at heart? Well, yes, they're supposed to have their members' interests at heart, but of course, like I said, it's a business itself. Uh, they have to. They can't represent people who aren't paying. That's for the one thing. They won't if you not if you're behind on your levies. They're not going to represent you, <laughs> and you'd have to be a member. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is that trade unions are not people who would be doing any good for the unemployed, because they're forever trying to make the conditions of service for their members better and better and stronger. And that, of course, keeps the unemployed out by pushing wages up, and people can't then open new jobs. 
But the whole idea of the trade union movement is to actually represent their members almost like the clients. Um, the members are the backbone of any trade union, and they have to fight for them. So and, it is in their best interest. It is in their best interest to keep their members at the salt mines, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. M- Michael Begram, it was awesome speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. How do we contact you? Best to get me on email. People have got their pens out. It's my first name, Michael M I C H A E L at Bagrams, which is the name of the firm attorneys. B A G R A I M S M for Mary S for Sugar dot C O dot Z-A. Michael at Bagrams.coza. Ek het al om gewoon Afrikaans, uh, diegene wat graag wil contact maak met Michael Beze kantoor, in sake uh, vakboonsake of arbeidssake dan specifiek, uh, dan wat ook dan uitspreid na in die finanse onderwerp, vakboon uh, navraam, stuur jy e-post na michael.bygrams.co.za dis m-i-c-h-a-e-l punt b-a-g-r No, 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 hold on, not punt. Michael at Bagram. I beg your pardon. So it's not Michael dot Bagram. It's Michael no, no, at Michael at oh, Bagram. Michael oh. Bagram is verstaan. Lekker die Afrikaanse yeah. tong. Hoe kom het ons yeah. heel aan Brits gepraat? <laughs> <laughs> so it's Michael at Bagram's dot co dot zeta. Michael bay Bagram's punt co punt zeta. Michael, dat het een geweldige goeie aand vir jou wees. Het volgende keer, wanneer ons weer praat, praat ons een bykie oor roodse rugbysake. Hoe is dit? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye, thank you. Thank you. Lekker thank aan you. verder, goed tot ziens. Mooi blij, net weer aan e-postadres van Michael Bagram, dus michaelbagrams.co.za michael at bagrams.co.za Radio Tengerberg, 104 FM Jy het geluister na, want sê die reg, op Radio Tengerberg, 104 FM Skakel geris volgende maandag aan, weer in.